Welcome to the Clients and Conversions Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Clem, and I've helped fellow entrepreneurs and business owners just like you harness the power of social media to grow your audience by the hundreds, 2x their launch sales, and have client leads banging down the door to book a call with you. And I'm the first to say that hustling and searching hours online for your next client or student is not the vital ingredient to your success or even your happiness. This podcast is for driven entrepreneurs, from coaches to course creators and everything in between, to access practical and actionable tactics on everything from how to get clients with Instagram advertising, and really unlock the keys from sales and social media to get growth with the simplest tools possible, while keeping it just long enough to get you through your walk, drive, or workout. So stick with us for this episode and the ones to come so you can get more clients and sales in less time. Now let's get into it. So before we get into this episode, I want to share that this current episode is sponsored by my new guide on the complete ad breakdown. I'm giving this straight to you guys because I have had so many questions around how do you create Instagram or Facebook ads that really help you to not only convert to get client leads, but that actually don't waste a lot of your time and money. So here is your answer. I created this guide on really how I used one ad for myself and for clients to create results like having 550 new client leads in my inbox, getting two additional sales in a launch period, which is like two weeks. I was able to help out some other clients to be able to double their list size and audience size within two months just from this one ad alone. So I go in deep around what type of ad it is to use, what you should be saying there, the typical funnel flow that went through for clients to get these type of results, all is right in front of your face. (laughs) So if you want this guide, make sure to go to the show notes below or go to danielleclem.com slash ad breakdown to access your copy because this, I'm giving you guys some of my best stuff inside of here. So make sure to go there, the PDF down below, the show notes below. It's literally the easiest that you can do. Just put your name and email and you're good to go. Again, go to danielleclem.com slash ad breakdown to get your copy and let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, today we have on Rebecca Zobel-Jones, who is an online business manager specializing in streaming, automating, and documenting processes. Her mission is to serve and support six-figure business owners and those aspiring to be with systems and full-service support as an OBM agency. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I think it's going to be a really fun episode. Yes. (laughs) So the one thing I love to do with the beginning of the show is kind of go with the start of your journey and then end with the past and go into present and future by the end. So can you tell me a little bit about how you grew up, kind of what led you to wanting to go down this profession? Absolutely. Um, I was raised over in the state of Idaho, so in the Mm -hmm. western part of our country. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've lived pretty much everywhere uh, around the country too. So I have itchy feet from the time Mm -hmm. I was a small, small child. Um, I think my very first entrepreneurial experience was when I was five years old and I sold cookies at our garage sale. And I was so stinking excited because I'm sitting here in the corner of the garage with a tin full of, and maybe I had a dozen cookies or something in there. And I was so excited because I was going to be selling them all day long. People are going to come to me and give me their dimes and I was going to give them their cookies and I was so happy. Well, our very, very first customer at the garage sale gave, bought my entire tin. She like gave me a $5 bill and took the whole thing. I think she was thinking I, she was doing me a favor, but I was so disappointed. Just, I mean, I remember, I vividly remember just feeling so discouraged and sad because 
it was over mm -hmm. and I was done. Now, if she had waited two hours, I probably would have been bored and ready to just give <laughs> them all away. But that was my very first entrepreneurial experience. And it just kind of went from there. All growing up, I was always looking to see, hmm, what could I do to earn, you know, an extra dollar or two? You know, my parents mm -hmm. didn't believe in allowances. We were raised that you do your chores at home as part of your contribution to the family. Mm -hmm. So uh, the value of a dollar was really big for me. And one dollar just was like, wow, that's enormous. Mm -hmm. And so we were, I was always like, Hmm, what about this? And can I do this? And of course I started babysitting when I could, as soon as I turned 16, boom, I got the, I got a job at the library and started working and saving money for college and all that and worked pretty much in regular jobs for, um, pretty much up until about 12 or so years ago. Um, I don't know. Am I, do you, should I keep going or did you want yeah, to keep going? Okay. I'm like I'm on a roll. So I'll, like, I'll <laughs> share my life story. But um, a couple of things happened in a couple of my, of my jobs that made me realize I needed to be an entrepreneur. Um, and I'm not sure I even realized this until just this last week when mm. I was thinking about it, but I realized it was paving the way for this. And my subconscious knew this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, because in a couple of the jobs that I had, I was, um, working for a supervisor who was insecure. And I'm, look, I'm recognizing that now. But in these positions, the supervisor felt threatened by me mm. because they were looking at me and saying, oh, well, she's done this and this. And I mean, I didn't feel that way. I thought this person knew a whole lot more than me and I was willing to learn from them, but they didn't see it that way. And so their lack of confidence I helped create some personal conflicts, which made me realize, oh, I need to just step it down a little bit. I need to hide my light a little bit. I need to kind of quiet down and sit in the corner here so that they don't get mad and fire me, you know? Mm -hmm. And looking at that later, I'm like, you know what? That is, I think, a big reason why I became an entrepreneur because I don't have a boss to make to, to make them feel bad. Mm -hmm. I am the boss. So I can be myself. I can shine my light. I can, you know, say, yes, I have an answer for you. And this, here's, here's my, here's, here's my opinions. And it's okay. I don't have to worry about what someone else is going to think. And so that was huge for a huge realization for me looking back on this. But the practical reason I started an on, becoming an entrepreneur was my husband joined the military. Mm -hmm. And I decided, hey, I want to be able to uh, move around with him wherever he goes without constantly quitting jobs and finding new jobs. And that just felt like so overwhelming to me. Mm -hmm. And so I discovered uh, virtual assisting and started working as a virtual assistant and worked as a membership site specialist and um, just kind of morphed from there. And just, a, I mean, we could spend the whole podcast episode talking about my journey. So I'll stop there. <laughs> well, and the great thing too, I love that you mentioned that the virtual assistant space are really, I think there's like two places a lot of people start nowadays, which is either virtual assistants or website slash graphic designer or like uh -huh. social media manager. Like those are the three usually people start out at because you need to get experience. You need to figure out what you like and don't like. Right. And what I love about what you mentioned too is the idea before with all the moving as well, the itchy feet, I think that's such an ingrained thing so many entrepreneurs have, especially those, I think like you and I who love projects, we love, you know, being able to jump to new things. Mm -hmm. 
And it makes for a really interesting entrepreneur journey because you constantly want to find what's the new thing you can try or skill or master because that's just what you enjoy doing. And I'd love to hear kind of like the journey that you've had already. What's been kind of your biggest milestones that you've, or even big takeaways from transitioning so much from virtual assistants to membership sites to now online business manager? Like what's been some of the biggest takeaways from all those pivoting? Um, that it's okay to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that sounds kind of funny, but each time I've pivoted, I've, it's been uh, a, an internal war. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, I'm, I'm learning new terms and stuff for some of these things. And so, you know, it's like, okay, so I, each one of these things was an up level for me. Mm-hmm. And it was a major deal because it was so difficult for me to feel like, oh, well, I'm not allowed to go do this yet because mm-hmm. I haven't done all these other things. How dare I call myself a membership site specialist or how dare I call myself an online business manager if I haven't ticked all these boxes on this scale. You know, it's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I can do this. I have permission to change. I don't have to pick one thing and do it for the rest of my life. Yes, I was a VA, but even while I was a VA, I worked for real estate agents and then I worked for coaches and then I worked for authors and speakers. And I mean, I did so many different things there and it was all okay. You don't have to pick one thing and stick with it the rest of your life. Change is good. We have, that's something that I'm passionate about is freedom Mm -hmm. and not just freedom to do anything, but the freedom to choose something and then the freedom to change your mind, even if it's six weeks later. Yeah. And I love that because I noticed now entrepreneur space, including myself, I've gone through pivoting and each time, like you said, it's a mental battle between, mm-hmm. oh, am I right to this? Or especially when you increase your prices, <laughs> your mind really <laughs> likes to deal with you then. Oh man. We could talk the whole time on that too. Cause I've done that multiple times and it's agony with mm-hmm. your current clients and like, oh, they're going to, and of course you have all these head games mm-hmm. in your head. And so you're like, they're going to say this and I'm going to say this and they're going to say this and they're going to hate this. And it's like, and they probably don't even care. So just let it go. But, um, it's, it is difficult to, to go to a client and say, I'm no longer offering these, these services. I've enjoyed working with you, but you're going to have to find somebody else. I've had those conversations. Those are hard conversations, but you know what, when the conversation is over and the relationship is, and, and you've separated from that client, whether it's a good separation or a bad separation, but once it's done, you feel so much better. You feel so much lighter. The weight is removed and you can focus on your new direction. And it's so much more fun than if you carried, carried them along and said, well, I'm not really doing that anymore, but I'll do it for you for a while. It's just going to be a dead weight and you're going to regret, regret it every step of the way. Oh, for sure. And I love that you mentioned those conversations you have to have, especially nowadays when it comes to having your online entrepreneurship. People, I think sometimes can use it as a way to like have a mask or a veil over thinking, oh, well, I'm online. I don't have to worry about hard conversations or like confrontation. <laughs> it's nope. like, nope, that's still there. And You're still working with people. It's exactly. People. <laughs> I had a friend, um, actually she's a past guest, Ashley Mason of Dash of Social. And when she bumped up her 
prices, I think once or twice, she had to have these conversations with her clients mm -hmm. and some of them, you know, decided to stop right now. But the great thing was people who stopped gave way for people who were even better, more high quality mm -hmm. clients because you were yes. at the higher price. Yes. Yes. And you enjoy it. This, the whole vibration of it, the whole mental alignment is so much greater at that new level for you too, until you're ready to move to the next. Yes. And that's a great part too, I think about pricing and, and pivoting too, is like the journey is what I actually call this podcast, the female entrepreneur's journeys, because there is no end point. Like a lot of people, no. their end point is six figures or it's uh, write a book or it's whatever insert milestone here. Mm -hmm. But what happens the day after your book is published? What happens once the 10 K happens? You know, there's so much after that. And mm -hmm. that's why I love talking about these type of things because there is no end point. And for some people that can be kind of scary, but for others, it's kind of liberating because it just means, yeah. well, you're going to have another chapter after this. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You don't have to, don't have to close the book and say, well, that was fun. Now I can, you know, now it's over, but no, it's, it's, there's always another chapter. There's always another chapter. Yes. And I think what's really great about what you do too, is you really help a lot of entrepreneurs in that space. You know, those who are either six figures or those who are trying to become and really help align their processes, their, basically their mental sanity <laughs> through <laughs> online stuff. And I wonder in your line of work, what's kind of like one or two of the most common challenges you see your clients have before they start working with you? Um, the number one that I've seen is that they are overwhelmed because there's so many things going on mm -hmm. and they're not sure what to do next because, and the main reason for that is they've been doing the work themselves. They know what needs to be done, but they don't have any way to transfer that knowledge from their brain to an assistant's brain. So just hiring a VA is not going to solve their problem because great, I got a VA. Now what am I going to do with her? Mm -hmm. I've hired an OBM. Now what I'm going to do with them? I don't want to give them. I don't know how to get this from my head and my fingers working the keyboard into their head and their, and their hands. And that's, one big thing where, you know, I start working with my clients is one of the first things that we explore is what do you have documented? Mm -hmm. uh, what are your processes? And it may just be you and I on a Zoom call and you walk me through what you do and then I'll document it all. Um, and we'll get that foundation there because it, it's, it's very difficult. It's, I, I never say it's impossible because anybody can figure out how to, how to do anything, mm -hmm. but it's very difficult to scale your business to six figures and beyond. If you don't have a solid foundation, it's been done. People have done it, but it's been, there's been a lot of, um, overwhelm and angst during that journey because the, the foundations weren't solid. Yeah. And that's a great point too, is that especially the processes part, I forget what I was listening to. It was a while ago where they helped realize that, especially for having an assistant or for me, I think my next jump will be getting a podcast editor because <laughs> like <laughs> it, it stays an hour or two of my, of my week. So why not do it? And mm -hmm. one of the biggest parts of that is I don't have a process written out yet. So what I was, one of the things that I'll be doing soon is, you know, probably loom or screen mm -hmm. oh, recording. Yeah. yeah screen it. recording, talking out that and just having that and transcribing it because I'm lazy. I don't want to write it all out, but it's true. So many people, especially for VAs, like, oh my goodness, those, um, the ladies who do VAs hats off to them, but especially for those who are on the opposite side of hiring them. So many just give them like 
the tasks that are no-brainers like email or stuff like mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. they could hold so much more capacity, but there aren't those systems in place or processes to help them mm-hmm. do that. Exactly, exactly. When the business owner can say, okay, look, this is what I do and have that all documented in a clear and uh, precise way, then they're basically cloning themselves. And that's what we all want, right? We all saw, I'll say, oh, if I could just clone myself, I'd be you know, able to do all these things. Well, documenting your processes is basically cloning yourself because the end result of that process is going to look just like it would if you did it. Yes. And I'd love to hear too, since, I mean, you help so many of your clients do the same thing. What is kind of like one or two of the first steps that listeners could try and start doing to at least begin some of their own processes or um, get into that space? What I recommend you do is two things. First off, figure out what you want to document. So you don't really have to document everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do just because that's how my brain works. Mm-hmm. But you know, like let's take let's take your example, the podcast mm-hmm. uh, example. So you all the steps that you do in booking the podcast, mm-hmm. and then the recording of the podcast, and then the editing of the podcast, and then the um, launching. I'm not sure that's the right word, but the publishing, the putting it out there um, (laughs) part of the the podcast. Obviously, I don't know a lot about podcasts, about what you do on that side, but I know those are the main main sections. So what I would say, if you're wanting to create um, a process for this, then jot down, even if it's just a little checklist Mm. of the steps that you do. Okay, first I have to reach out to the person or follow up with someone who reached out to me about being about inviting them on, you know, um, making sure that it's it's booked, all the questions are answered. We know what we're doing. Um, we have the the right links or the right access to be able to to meet. You know, and just have like a checklist of all the things you want to do, not the full details, not necessarily not you don't have to say, okay, now click here to do this and click here to do that. At first, just jot things down, even if for no other reason than you use that yourself to make sure that you don't miss a beat, that -hmm. you don't skip something as you're going. Because if you're following your checklist, then by the time you get to the end, you'll remember, yeah, I've already created the cover the cover images that I want. I've already created the Facebook ad image that I want to use for this one or whatever you do on on promotion. you don't want to get to the end of it and realize, oh shoot, I forgot to do this and this and the other things. So then you have to go run and, and race to do it. If you're following your own checklist, then it'll help even you right now to streamline your own process to make turn that hour or two hours per episode down to maybe an hour and a half or maybe one hour and save you some time there and just prepping you to then be able to bring a VA in. Even if you brought a VA in who knew some things about podcasts, but didn't know how you did it, following just that checklist would give her an excellent springboard into being able to to duplicate that for you. And then she could flesh it out exactly how you'd want it if you didn't have the time. But even just a little checklist, that's basically the the, uh, framework for a standard operating procedure. And then you can add as much as you want to it as you have time. Personally, I love to go in and add screenshots so they can see exactly what it looks like uh, with little annotations on there saying, okay, here's button one, two, and three, and here's what those actually mean and what they do. And do Loom videos all the time. I use this for walkthroughs mm-hmm. or for showing different things. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Loom. Mm-hmm. Um, I spell things out, link to other processes, uh, and just 
I write them so that my mother, I love her to death. She's 70 years old <laughs> and she knows how to use a computer. She can use a mouse, keyboard, she can get online. She can go on Facebook. Uh, she can send emails. Okay. That's the basics. She can come and sit in my chair at my computer and with my process, she could run my business. Mm. That's how I write them. I write them for her to be able to follow because if she can follow this process, you can follow this process, Danielle, because you know a whole lot more about the online business world than my mother does. And any VA or any project manager or anybody I brought into my business would be able to follow that process because I've, I've pulled it down the bare bones and I'm spelling everything out so it's clear as crystal. Which I want to say is something that so many of us forget. And I see this happen so often with people who on the same token do posts or websites or um, copy and they write for someone who's in their industry versus like jargon versus writing for someone, like you said, for your grandma or for someone who has no idea about the industry because that that actually shows how much you mastered it. Like if you can mm -hmm. distill it down that far down, that shows how much you actually know about it and it's ingrained. Cause I think one of the biggest things I've noticed myself and a lot of entrepreneurs do, we know so much, we forget how much we know. Mm -hmm. Like for example, whenever I do my podcast editing and you know, there's a lot of steps, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> creating the page, um, getting the podcast promo, um, you know, graphics, all this kind of stuff. And I don't have to think about it because I know, okay, it's Tuesday night. I need to do this and just mm -hmm. kind of go through it. But it's something, you know, I have this happen at least once a month where someone's like, oh, how do you run a podcast? How does that go? I'm scared. It must be crazy. I'm like, it takes me maybe an hour. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And it's because one of those things that I forget and so many others as well is once you know something, you know it in your brain, but you can't, you've never had to say it out loud or had to like mm -hmm. go through it. So it's really great with what you mentioned is taking time to actually write out those processes because there's a good chance that the processes you're doing right now, the tasks you're doing, you're not going to want to do all of them a year from now. So mm -hmm. it'd be better to get that started at this time. And that's also a good way to help identify areas where you could streamline it down even further. Mm -hmm. uh, when you write out those steps and you're actually applying your brain to the process to say this step and then this step and then this step, you can look at that and say, now, why am I doing it that way? Why can't I blend these two together? Because that makes more sense. Or let's just take this part out because this no longer applies anymore. I'm wasting time doing this. Uh, or, oh, there's this other tool that does two things instead of, instead of just this one thing. And so I can simplify it there. It's so much easier to do that. If you're just going by by rote memory and on autopilot while you're doing this you're gonna be doing it the same way mm -hmm. but you might be doing it the long way every single time where when you actually take that step back to write it out you're like oh hey i can make this even faster yeah my favorite metaphor for that is the neighborhood that i grew up in there's like two exits there's one that's technically closer to my house and there's one that's mm -hmm. a little bit like a mile away mm -hmm. and for years I would go to the same one that's close to my house because it's close to my house however a couple times I think that gate was closed or that exit was closed so I went to the next area a mile away and I shaved off I kid you not three minutes off of every drive for literally five six years I never thought oh I should take that because it's farther away quote unquote uh -huh. But actually, it was taking out one of the stop signs and streetlights mm -hmm. that would make it longer for me. So yes. like you said, you don't realize that until you take another path or you write it out, whatever that is, mm -hmm. to see like, what those things you can actually try yes. maneuver. 
Yes, that's an excellent example. That's an excellent example. I haven't used it in a while and I was like, no, <laughs> this is a good one to insert. <laughs> it is. That's awesome because yes, maybe it's an extra, <clears throat> like for you in that instance, it feels like, oh, well, this must be longer because it's, it's using maybe in this, it's using an extra tool. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't want to use an extra tool. I want to do everything all in this, in this one tool. Well, by using an extra tool, you save yourself half an hour. So mm -hmm. why wouldn't you use the extra tool? Yes, it's an extra step, but you're saving so much time. Exactly. And that's what I love about this, air, this topic is because <laughs> it helps you to see what's the best route for you. Yes. And yes. one of the the common myths that you talked about with this industry is the automation can take out the mm. human touch of like any system. And I'd love to hear you speak more on that and like how you see it. Absolutely. Um, that's something that I hear people say. They're like, oh, I don't like to use, you know, an automated program because, you know, I want to make sure that I'm personally speaking to all of these people, blah, 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 you know, and they just go mm -hmm. on and like, you know what? Okay. Yeah, that sounds nice. But <laughs> there's a, there's a line between okay, when you have zero clients and you're working full time in your business to gain those clients, you have the time to sit there and send personal messages to every single person, you know, great, mm -hmm. enjoy it. You won't always have that time. Right. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> automation does not mean a machine talking on your behalf. It automation does not mean, uh, a bot, uh, commenting on everybody's Instagram posts that you know. Mm. Uh, that's not what true automation from a business, from, from our perspective, I'm going to say is, you know, it does, there's so many tools and I've got, you know, half a dozen in my head uh, that I've used, or I know people who have used and I'm learning because there's, there's always things to learn, mm -hmm. but, um, especially in this area of automation, there's so many ways that yes, it can be automated, but it's still you that's involved. Like for example, um, I love the program Dubsado. I use Dubsado mm. in my business and, um, uh, I have a, a lead capture form, whatever on my website. This is, this is for the, the bookkeeping side part. That's yes. It's part of what I do. And it's kind of, anyway, it's complicated, another hour long story, <laughs> but, um, so people who are interested in bookkeeping services, they can fill out this, this lead capture. When they submit it, it automatically sends them an email from me that says, Hey, thanks so much for, uh, for your interest, for submitting this form. I'm looking forward to getting to know you better. Please, uh, click this link and, and answer these questions on this questionnaire so I can get to know more about you and your business. You know, and it's just written, it's in my voice. I wrote it. The machine didn't write it for me. I wrote it and it sends it to them automatically. They can fill out that questionnaire so I can get to know about them. And then it notifies me that the questionnaire has been filled out. So then I can go in, I can read this, see, is this going to be a good fit? Is this somebody I can actually help? Or is this someone who needs something that I can't provide? And then based on that, I can tell the system, okay, great. Yes. Go ahead and let them know. I want to book a, book a, a call and it sends them an email and says, great. Thanks so much for that. I've reviewed this. I think we'd be a great fit. Let's go ahead and get on a call. Here's the link to schedule. <clears throat> they schedule the call and it automatically creates a, a private zoom link for us and shares it with them and myself and has the reminders built in. All I've done is read the questionnaire and say, yes, let's chat. The system does everything else, but it all comes from me. It's still my voice. It's still my plan. It's, it's all this backend automation that half the time the customer doesn't even know exists. Mm -hmm. And yet, 
it, it is still, it saves me so much time, but I'm still involved and the human touch is still there. I have uh, the second example, just with like an email list. I have a list of about 700 people strictly in a very niche site for genealogy. I love genealogy. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple forms that I created and I've got pins out there. I create these, these pins on Pinterest about like a year and a half ago, Danielle. Mm -hmm. And I get signups every single day from these pins and <clears throat> power Pinterest right there. But I have a, a automated follow-up to them, like mm -hmm. two days, one day, two days, something like that after they download the freebie. And it says, hey, I'm just checking in. Were you able to get the freebie? Does it make sense? I'd love your feedback, blah, blah, blah. I get people replying to that all the time. They hit reply and they say, hey, thanks so much. I loved this form. It worked great. I don't know if they think I'm personally writing to them or if they know this is an automatic thing, but I get so much engagement on that list. It's, it's a it blows my mind and it's all automated. I've done nothing. I have pins out there and they lead to my blog. They can do the content upgrade and then they get the emails and they're replying to me every single day. I That's love great. that you mentioned this because this happened to me recently where I had my welcome sequence and the last email was probably, I swear, it looked, and there was no formatting, there was nothing crazy about it. It was just mm -hmm. something like, hey, just want to hear how you're doing. It has, you know, the email list has the subscriber first name you can put in there. Uh -huh. Say, hey, I know you went through this. I gave you a lot of information. Just wanted to see where you're at. And very minimal, maybe three sentences. I get so many responses from that. And people think it's me. I mean, it is yeah. technically, but it, I have it inside of here. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm happy you guys appreciate it. Because to me, I'm just, you know, I had this in here mm -hmm. thinking this might work. There's no links. Like, it's just, it, it sounds like a person. Yeah. And it, it is. I wrote it. <laughs> just didn't yeah. write it today. <laughs> and I love that part that you mentioned because it's really awesome about when going down into automation, there's a couple pieces, I think, which happens a lot where people think, oh, you know, this is going to be too automated there. And there are people sent can take it overboard sometimes. Yeah. But for the most part, if you are coming from a place where it's your voice, real, mm -hmm. actual, genuine care and set up in a way it can work for, for you. Like it really can. Yes, yes absolutely. You know, um, <clears throat> you do have to put some time into setting it up. Like you said, you do have to put yourself into that system. It does have to flow the way your brain would. And so it, you've got to think about it a little bit, plan it out a little bit and, you know, use some logic on it to say, okay, if they do, I, my customers are going to do this and I want to make sure I catch this and ask them this question or make sure they get this information. So you got to think about it. You can't just throw something out there. And I think that's probably where automation gets a bad rap is so many people are like, oh, well, I'll just automate it. And then they just like do the default things and let it go. And it comes across as unfeeling, uncaring machine. But if you put that time into it, put yourself into it, it really fleshes it out and it makes it a very makes it very comfortable for both you and for your clients or your prospects. Yeah, and that's a really great way to look at it too, especially like you mentioned before, I want to talk to you after this too about that, creating their own Zoom link. I need that because <laughs> uh, I don't have that and it's been taking up too much time. <laughs> but it's true. It can be something as simple as that and it can still 
be personal without having to be crazy, especially for email list or lead capture forms, anything that can be automated that, again, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, should Mm -hmm. be, or at least should be getting started on that. So I'd love to hear what is like the three things or three areas in business that people should start to automate to make their life easier? Oh, only three? I know, right? (laughs) Man, okay, I gotta think about this. Well, obviously the, um, as much as you can with your lead generation, Mm. automate that as much as possible because you wanna be putting your focus into, converting those leads, not necessarily going out there and pounding the pavement looking for for the people. Um, So uh, there's 3 million ways on that and we can spend all afternoon. But, um, you know, automating as much as you can on social social media, automating as much as you can with the whole contact forms on your website or opt-ins and the welcome sequences and sending out these these emails using these systems as much as possible to be able to maximize the effort that you're putting in. Anything that's really going to uh, help you put in an hour's time and get three to four hours worth of of, um, results, from that one hour of effort, that's a good place to start, start automating. Um, that's, that's a big one. Anything that you do over and over and over again in your business is a great place to look at automating, whether that is in invoicing, automate that as much. I mean, it's a little difficult sometimes, but the saddle makes it easy. There are other services that make it easy to streamline those and automate those as much as possible. Um, but that's, that's what I would suggest is definitely in lead generation and then any area that you find yourself doing things over and over and over and over again. Because if you're finding that you are repeating the same thing, you're not the only one who's, mm-hmm. who's going through that. Somebody else has gone through that and some really smart person has gone through that mm-hmm. and has decided I'm going to create an app for that. There's an app for everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, for for example, I'm another example here. One of my clients um, asks for an email address when someone joins their Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, we we were doing is taking screenshots of of it, and she was sending them to me. Or if I was approving members, I was just you know filling up a little spreadsheet, and then I was mainly going into her email service and uploading a little CSV file. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's this really cool app out there that, that automates that Mm -hmm. for the most part. And so you can approve the people there. It ports that information to its little system. You click a button and it sends it then to a Google spreadsheet. And then you can use um, Zapier or something to go ahead and have that automated automatically go to your, um, to your email service. Okay. I need to know what this app is. I need need it right now in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It is called group funnels. I'm not even an affiliate for it. It's not the cheapest thing on the block, Mm. but it's not the most expensive either. I don't remember what the cost is. Two, 300 bucks, something like that. But the amount of time that it saves you is worth every penny. Now she has a large group. And so, you know, we're, we're dealing with, um, maybe, uh, 
hundred people a week or something. And not all of them, of course, are giving the email address. She has it as optional, so it doesn't matter. But um, it saved us so much time. I can I can go through and I can approve people and push them to the sheet and know they're automatically added. It takes me maybe three minutes instead of fifteen. I easy need this so much. (laughs) This was something that was actually on my to-do list. I, for same thing in my group, I have the optional where you can uh, put Mm -hmm. in your email to get a freebie. And I would literally, especially if it was going to be like just something that was an odd day, I would literally procrastinate and wait like a day or two to do it because I was like, you know, I have to open up my email marketing Mm -hmm. service. I'm like, Mm -hmm. adding a single subscriber. So I love that part. Like something as simple as that, which like you said, you have to do weekly, if not daily or, Mm -hmm. you know, every other day is something that is so needed. And actually, since we talked about invoices a while ago, I think you and I are going to be on the same agreement on this, but I love to hear your perspective. Yeah. You mentioned PayPal. Think, oh. think PayPal is a great payment provider. And I'd love to hear yeah. your response. <laughs> <laughs> How much longer do we have here? Because... <laughs> no, um, everybody says, oh, just start with PayPal. Just send a PayPal link. Just invoice through PayPal. It's simple. That's true. It is simple. Mm-hmm. However, it's very deceptive. Um, mm-hmm. And that's might be a strong word, but what I not there, it's not like they have deceptive business practices. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that they make it sound like they are the best thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. But if you flip the bread over, it's pretty moldy. And this is why um, PayPal is awesome. If you are buying a service, Yep. they are, I uh, see. How can I say this nicely? They love buyers. <laughs> they love people who buy things. They That's- love people who buy things. Yes, yep. they love buyers. They don't like sellers. Nope. They're not they're not nice to merchants. Um when it happens, you will have a dispute, especially mm-hmm. as a service provider. You will have people who will dispute your invoices. Thank God I haven't, but then I've hardly used PayPal and so um it's worked out whenever I've had a bad client, they just ghosted me. They didn't Mm -hmm. actually um, try to get their money back. So I'm thankful for that part anyway. But if I did, let's say I invoiced, Danielle, say you and I work together and I sent you an invoice. Well, I'm not going to use you because I don't want to make you out to be a bad person. Um, (laughs) Appreciate it. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. I don't like the way this is going. Let me change this up. So I work, I'm working with with the client. We'll just call him Joe. And let's say um, I send Joe a PayPal invoice and I do the work for Joe. And he pays the invoice and then he goes to PayPal and he does a dispute. Mm. You know what PayPal's going to do? PayPal's going to take those funds back for me. They're going to put them in holding and say, Joe's disputed this. Can you upload, you know, proof? So they act like, okay, we're, we're on your side here, Rebecca. Right. We're going to help you fight this. If, if, if Joe's in the wrong, you let us know and we'll help. We'll go to bat for you. So I give them all the documentation. Here's the contract he signed. Here's the invoice I sent. Here's copies of all the work that I did for him. Here's all the proof that he really does owe me this $500. And PayPal says, thanks so much. We've declined you the the dispute and given Joe his money back. Mm -hmm. They all wait. I know I don't like saying things like impossible, like I said earlier, or, or always or whatever. So I'm going to say 99.9% of the time they come down on the side of the buyer. They do not come down on the side of the merchant. Mm -hmm. I've worked with clients who have had their, um, 
their accounts frozen. Uh, sometimes that has been because they made $2,000 in one month and then they did a launch and they made $10,000 the next month and PayPal froze their accounts because they thought they were fraud. They had to jump through so many hoops oh to get their money back from PayPal. Um, another client had uh, their accounts frozen because PayPal wanted them to send some documents. They sent the documents. One side of PayPal said, we don't have the documents, but when you, so you need to upload them. So they go to upload them and that side of PayPal says, oh, we already have the documents. It went around back and forth for like six months. <clears throat> no, cause I'm in the same boat as you. I've, I've seen literal posts from people on Facebook where they got shortcut thousands of dollars mm -hmm. because someone, you know, a client did X, Y, or Z or whatever happens. And that's something that I'm passionate about as well Is I know so many people who use PayPal because it's quote unquote easy, which like you yeah. said, it is. <laughs> However, they don't protect you like as mm -hmm. the, the seller. And I want to be with someone who's not going to, you know, stab my back afterwards. Yeah, I don't know about exactly. you. <laughs> well, and there's so many other options now too, Danielle. When I first started out as a VA, now goodness, this was 11 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. So, so many of the things we have today didn't even exist then. Oh yeah. Um, and PayPal's what everyone said, you know, start with. And very quickly, I realized this is not where I want to be. And I actually had to create like a merchant account with my bank. You know, oh I mean, this goodness. is because there was nothing else there. Yeah. Well, now there's so many options um, with Stripe or with Square. Both of those are really decent. I personally am using Stripe in my business because I connect it with things. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's working good. Um, since I, as, as a bookkeeper, I do love QuickBooks. It's not the end all and be all, but I do like it. So I use it in my business. I have a merchant account through them and I, the, the rates are a little bit better with them than they are with Stripe. So I'll use them for like recurring payments and stuff, mm. but there's so many options. You don't have to use PayPal. See, that's like, if I could say, if, if anybody gets one thing out of this <laughs> podcast, it's this, if you're using PayPal, stop, go to Stripe, Go do something else. If you don't have a clue what you can do, reach out to me. I'll help you figure out what to do. But please don't use PayPal. <laughs> I think I might make the subtitle for this episode, PayPal is the de devil and here's why. <laughs> oh, and it's, again, for those who are, have been using it, it's not to feel mm -hmm. bad. It's not to make you feel like you're no. doing something wrong. It's just, we want you to be able to be protected and yeah. not be shortcut money or be in, like you said, that situation where it goes on six months or more and you're constantly fighting an uphill battle for the money that, you know, you that deserve. You, you've earned, you know, you, you didn't go into, I mean, we didn't, Usually, most people don't go into business in order to make millions of dollars, mm -hmm. but you do have bills that you need to pay. You yep. know, not very few of us are in a position where we can allow PayPal to hold on to our money for six months. Mm -hmm. You know, um, thankfully, in, from, in my client's case, and in, in this specific case, PayPal was just one of the streams that they had. So, Good. you know, it wasn't like, you know, the whole business crashed because PayPal was being silly. Yeah. But, um, and of course, the whole time I'm like, see, I told you not to use PayPal. <laughs> But anyway, <clears throat> different story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and that's something that I think is going to be really great for listeners to remember is that nowadays, like you said, there's so many areas. There's Stripe, which I use. I know there's mm -hmm. SamCart. There's um, if people use Kajabi. Like there's so many mm -hmm. areas that you can find something out there. Take some research. Literally YouTube it, Google it. You will, you'll find something for you. Yeah, 
Absolutely. There's so many anymore. And you know, you're not limited to just like, okay, well I have an apple or an orange and you're just, mm -hmm. no, there's so much more fruit out there and new apps are being created every day. Now I wouldn't go jump right on the bandwagon with, with something like that because you know, you do have the whole, um, trust factor there yeah, too. So you, your clients, you know, you don't want to give them some, Hey, pay, pay me through this, you know, and is this random thing no one's ever heard of before? You know, I'd be a little skeptical maybe, but everyone or most people, especially clients that you might be working with, they've heard of Stripe mm -hmm. anymore. You know, I mean, PayPal, sure. Everyone's heard of PayPal and that's why they have such a big following is because of, you know, the, the brand, name brand recognition, yeah. but Stripe is rapidly catching up to them. Um, and so that's why I recommend them, but yeah, do your research, look and see what's going to work best for you and fit with your workflow too. You know, Stripe works good for me. It works good for you, Danielle, but mm -hmm. if it doesn't connect with, um, whatever service that you're, you're using for your invoicing, like one of the recommendations that I make for, for someone to start now and using invoicing is wave. Mm, and, yeah, they're great. Yeah, Stripe doesn't, or they don't integrate with Stripe. They have their own payment processing. Mm -hmm. well, that works. That's okay. If you want to use them for invoicing, then I would recommend using their payment processing and keep it all together, nice and happy, makes it easy for your clients. But that's a case where you Stripe may not work best for you. But anyway, I could go on, but I'll stop again. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like that's what I love to talk about too. Here is that business in general is uh -huh. always going to be personalized to that oh, person. So that's yeah. why talking about this is so great because even though you might think that PayPal or insert app or company here is the best <laughs> way to go, it might not be for you and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And that's, that's the big thing that, Oh, another little soapbox of mine right here. But <laughs> I, so many people are out there looking like, well, what's the right way to do this? Mm -hmm. Or can you just give me the three-step plan to making six figures or whatever, you know? I'm like, it's different for every person and that's not what they want to hear, but it's so true. What works for me may not work for Danielle. What works for Danielle may not work for me. And what works for both of us may not work for you, people mm -hmm. who are listening, you know? So um, <clears throat> find what connects with you. When we're talking about apps, sure, there's some best practices. Like, you know, you want to have the facts. You want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly about, you know, what's going on. Like with PayPal, we just both, you know, slammed them pretty good. But, you know, if you're just starting out and you have nothing, no other avenue and or you're in a different country and you don't have access to some of the apps that we have here in the States, you know, Bakers can't be choosers. You pick the thing that works best for you based on your mm -hmm. situation and you use it and then you grow and you up level and you're able to then use something different and something better. Sometimes you've got to step on a couple stairs to get up to where you need to be. But um, what works best for you? Finding the app that fits your, the way your brain works. My brain works in a very odd and unique way. <laughs> it's a very logical brain. And so things that are very logical click very well for me. They don't for for everyone. I had a conversation with a client today. We're going back and forth, and I don't think he still understands what I was trying to explain to him about his bookkeeping. But that's a different story. Well, that's that's actually where I changed my business model a couple of months ago or six months ago, to where almost every single thing that I provide that's paid is really trying to be as high touch as I can be because mm -hmm. I really believe that after spending, I mean thousands of dollars on courses and coaches yeah. and insert whatever. I really believe that there's this 
shift that's happening where the generalized or marketing to masses um, approach is just not going to be the right way to go because it's people you notice that like maybe not in your first course you take but after you go through seven or eighth course that's, that's mm -hmm. similar you realize how much you need someone to actually personalize it to you and that's what I love about what you do and what I and like the small group of people who are finally catching up to that so mm -hmm. before we end this podcast one of my favorite things to do is do what I call a rapid fire round where I ask you a couple questions that are not crazy but they're just they allow the audience to hear a little bit more about you and give some really fun resources for them and there's about six questions just answer with either the first thought sentence or word that comes in your mind and are you ready let's go okay <laughs> favorite book you've ever read oh god that's hard um <clears throat> The favorite book I've ever read is probably the one that I'm, it's whichever one I'm currently reading mm -hmm. because I love, I read scads. So mm -hmm. I'm currently reading the Safehold series by David Weber because there's a mm -hmm. new one that just came out. So I had to start back at the beginning and work all the way back through it again. So it's sci-fi slash alternate reality, almost like historical fiction, mm -hmm. but it's sci-fi. Anyway, David love Weber. <laughs> what is your favorite word or phrase that you use daily? Awesome and perfect. Fair. <laughs> if you weren't an entrepreneur, what would you have been? What I was before I became an entrepreneur. I was a librarian and that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I met my goal and then I had to figure out something else. That's fair. All I think about whenever I, I remember a while ago, cause I was, uh, when I was a kid, I was in the library and I remember there were so many jokes about the Dewey Decimal System. Super side note. But I was just, I always remember the librarians and like they would make jokes with Dewey Decimal Systems. That's awesome. I used to be able to, I used to have, I had so many of them memorized just from working with them. But Oh, I bet. <laughs> I'm not sure I do now, but I did that. <laughs> what is something you're not very good at or working to get better at? Um, automation when it comes to Facebook Messenger bots. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I have, a, I have a, a friend who just was working with one and I was helping her test it and everything. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. When it's done right and the people know it's a bot and they're okay with it, it's amazing. I wouldn't use it to try to fake, fake a human, but as a bot itself, awesome. Very cool. Awesome. What is one characteristic that you believe every entrepreneur should have? Willingness. Hmm. Willingness to change and to try new things. That's a very good one. Last question, my favorite one. What does success look like to you in your own eyes? Ah, oh, success to me in my own eyes is, I, oh, I don't have my, I wrote it, this in my journal this morning, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to mess this up completely. I'm trying to remember exactly how I phrased it. It was really good. Uh, knowing that I have made an impact, knowing that what I have done has made a difference in people's lives and has helped to change the world. That's awesome. Well, now that we talked, I mean, we talked about so much, I love. Now I want to speak a little bit about where you're going right now in the present and current future. So uh -huh. what are some things you're currently working on to give the audience a little taste on what they can look out for? Oh boy. Um, I am, I, <laughs> I kind of got my notes. <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm, my messaging has shifted this week mm. or, or shifted last week. And so it's been being released this week. Um, <clears throat> maybe. Um, mm -hmm. But so some of the things that I'm doing right now is, tr is 
is reaching out to people and helping them realize that it's okay to ask for help. Mm. And so I'm coming up with journal prompts for releasing control. And I'm using them myself because it is an area that I struggle with uh, about delegating, but it's something that's so important. And it's what my clients are doing with me. And I want to be able to help others be get to that point where they feel comfortable in working with a VA, feel comfortable in working with um, an, an OBM or adding people onto their team to know that you don't have to do it all yourself. You can because you're a smart and amazing woman, but you don't have to do it all yourself. And so questions like if I were fully supported in my business, such and such, you know, what would that look like? How would I feel? Those sorts of journal prompts and coming up with those to help people get uh, recognize how their life will change when they allow themselves to be supported. That's beautiful. And definitely something that so many people, including myself, have to work on like that. Uh, people please your perfectionist standpoint is something that so many people are having to work on. <laughs> uh, I'm a card carrying member right there. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, I want to make sure where can listeners find you at so they can be able to pick that up when it comes out? Absolutely. Everything will always be available at the sunburnedpenguin.com. That's my website. You can always find, <clears throat> find me there. Um, I have multiple websites and so things will probably be in multiple places but I'm all but you'll always will find my freebies and anything that I've got going on there plus then I live in Facebook and mm -hmm. I'm starting to enjoy Instagram mm -hmm. I have a hard time I'm not a millennial and my I don't like using my mobile phone for like things I can use my laptop for so Instagram is a is a struggle at times but <laughs> you'll always find me on Facebook I understand about Instagram. I got my screen fixed recently for my phone and they made the the sensitivity worse, honestly, for yeah. texting. So it's even harder for me to text. So I, <laughs> I've been hating my phone recently. So I <laughs> but you guys, honestly, check her out. I, I'll have everything down below too. So you guys can find her there, but this okay. has been such an amazing episode. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on. Oh, I've had so much fun. It's been great. Thanks for asking me, Danielle. Thank you. And again, if you guys have any questions, all links will, down, will be down below and I'll talk to you guys all in the next episode. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I am so excited that you were able to go through it and get some actionable tips out of it. For next steps, make sure you go to daniellecleum.com slash ad breakdown to get the complete ad breakdown around what one Insta ad did to help create 559 client leads and 20% sales increase in launch. Make sure to go ahead there to do that and DM me at I'm Danielle Clem to go in deeper into the conversation. And last but not least, make sure to leave a rating and review so that this podcast can get out to more amazing people like yourself.